Hi, I don't know whether it's relevant, but I just wanted to point out that much of what you're going to hear in this episode was recorded before Christmas. already 2022 sorry i'm late january's a long old month isn't it god dear <laughs> apologies what can i say i've been a bad podcaster but i'm here now i hope you've all had a good christmas new year whatever else you might have been celebrating by the time i get around to publishing this um I suppose, first things first, I better get on with responding to some calls that have been languishing on my phone for quite some time now. Apologies to all those concerned. So, let's get straight into that, shall we? Hey, Spencer, just calling in to trigger you. I don't think I termed coined the term Norton. Maybe I did, but I don't think so. I think I got it from somebody else, but I honestly can't remember who. As far as atmosphere goes, I looked at that. I thought about backing it, but they expect you to go to a web Vimeo, I think, but they're, they expect you to go to a, a video hosting service to watch the videos. And after some pressure from backers, they had agreed they would send out... <laughs> You know, that you would be able to get the files off the internet, but they weren't going to send you any kind of physical media with the files on them. And I just, at that point, to me, it's not. If they would send a disk with the files or even maybe a thumb drive or something, I might consider it, but it's just too much of an unknown and too much of a potential for it to just go away for me to spend a lot of money on something like that. Hey, Jason. Jason of Nerds RPG Variety Cast there. Thank you very much for getting in touch. <laughs> I'm always happy to be triggered by you. Um, yeah, the, the atmosphere board game, that Kickstarter. God, it seems so long ago now. Um, I, <laughs> there's not really much point in me commenting on that, but, um, yeah, it all sounds like a lot of messing around and it's, it always struck me as being a bit of a gimmick back in the day and sounds like a bit too much messing around for my liking anyway. Well, there you go. Hopefully it won't take me so long to respond to you next time. Thanks for calling in and again, apologies for the late response. <laughs> Spencer, dude, your last episode was so brilliantly titled, dude. 
a side of Carly fries. <laughs> Get out of here with that, dude. That is genius, man. Uh, yeah, butterfly knives. You got bad fingers. I got bad eyes. Bad scene all the way around. But hell, sometimes you got to be a bad boy. <laughs> anyway, you were talking about a board game called Atmosphere that you needed a VHS player, a VHS tape to play. I never had that one, but a buddy of mine had an NFL board game that you needed uh, a VHS tape for, you know, NFL, like American football. And so you'd go around the board and at certain times you'd have to press play on the VCR or fast forward for a while and it would show a play and whether or not it was a first down or a touchdown or whatever. We had a ton of fun with it, but I hadn't thought of that forever, man. I hadn't thought of that game forever. So thank you for that. Peace out. Hey, Joe. Joe Richter there from Hindsightless, and thanks very much for that call, man. Uh, yeah, it's funny, that episode, um, A Cup of Joe and Jason on Rye, I kind of, that that was going to be an episode just focused on the messages I got from you guys. And um, yeah, then, then I got some messages from Carl, and I thought, oh man, I can't use that title anymore, and I was just going to abandon it and come up with... A completely different title and then just Carly Fry's popped into my head and I uh, had to use it so there you go I'm glad to hear I brought back some fun memories of playing uh, well it sounds like a, a really fun time you were having there with that that VCR game thanks for your call man I really uh, really enjoyed that message cheers my name is Carl they call me Carl some people call it a sling blade, but I call it a Kaiser blade. Um, yeah, that's just what I do because my name is Carl. And uh, this is response to Joe Richter and his butterfly knife thing. But I prefer a sling blade. Um, some people call it a Kaiser blade. Well, Spencer, if you listen to early 80s or early hip hop, that is good enough for me to be a Mork Borger. There was a lot of like lead in the hip hop community in in that during that time, so um, yeah, I think that's good. I think you'll be fine. I'm looking forward to it. Also, I'm gonna comment about Arcane. I I watched the first episode and really liked it, uh, except for the one part at the end with the cat. But um, spoiler. But uh, other than that, I, I mean, I definitely want to watch it again. My wife isn't a big fan of cartoons, um, but um, we'll see if I can get her to watch some. She did like the non-animated Cowboy Bebop, though really didn't like Cowboy Bebop at all, mainly because of the way they drew Faye Valentine in that one, but uh, that's a whole nother... um... Definitely, Arcane is gameable. It sounds like you could put it in any sort of, in a kind of fantasy world with that sort of uh, pseudo-tech, magic-tech blend. Um, I, at first thought, I'm thinking the Eberron, Eberron world uh, for 5e or whatever, D&D, see your fancy, but I could definitely see like a Tales from the Broken Anvil um, kind of thing coming out of uh, a city like uh, Sharn, which is a big multi-tiered city um, in the Eberron verse. So Arcane was really good. Definitely could be inspirational. 
would I have a bunch of teens or kids be the be the it might be cool to do that um, I wonder what system I would use to do that I'm not sure anyway good stuff I will chat with you soon Hey, Carl. Thanks for those messages, man. Yeah, wow, that all seems so so long ago now. But um, yeah, Arcane, I don't know if you continued watching that series. Um, I ended up watching the whole season just over a matter of days, which is something that I, I just don't do generally. But uh, yeah, I was hooked. And uh, while I thought it would be quite easy to create a game centering on those characters in that first episode a bunch of teen rogues nabbing artifacts and technology and whatnot pulling off heists as much fun as that is well the series goes on i don't know if you continued watching but you know there are all kinds of different things introduced throughout the season that um that really kind of flesh out that world, the setting. And I think the whole the whole season is a masterclass in that visual storytelling, you know, show, don't tell, and building this world, this reality. I just, I, I really, really found the, the series engaging and, um, and it probably wouldn't surprise you to hear that um, I see it as inspiration for for running into the odd and electric bastion land. But um, thanks for those calls, Carl. Carl Rodriguez there, GM extraordinaire, the GMologist. Every day's a school day. Yes, indeed. Every day's a school day. But I can't believe, I can't believe what I discovered, Spence. I went back, I used to love the adventure game, and I'm pretty sure that you mentioned it. I used to watch it religiously as a kid, right? And you know what? I looked it up on YouTube, and I was amazed. What a con! It turns out, right, that I thought all these people that were coming on the show were kind of, I don't know, members of the public, plucked out uh, to rise to the challenge, a little bit like they were for Crystal Maze. Turns out, though, they were all like these actors, so faking it. I watched episode one, and all the people in episode one, they, they turn out to be uh, kind of B-list minor celebrities that appear in other BBC productions. Oh, what a con. Laters, man. What a treat there. A call from the legend, Colin Spike Pitt Green. And glad to see you putting out episodes again, Colin. I've really been enjoying hearing from you again and I was fortunate enough to uh, have a Christmas treat of, of being able to play in a session with Colin a session of uh, Barney's League of Eternal Guardians and a lot of fun that was too um, yeah uh, the adventure game yes I did mention it and I have done an episode in the past and it was one of those programs that really drew me into the world of RPGs um, the whole kind of escape the room set up there. Um, and you say you say the contestants were actors. Well, that's not entirely true now, is it, Colin? They were 
presenters. They were TV personalities, I'll give you that. But they were presenters, they were news readers, they were, um, they were hosts of other shows. They were not actors. And I think there was one or two seasons where they did include a member of the public in the team with the celebs. But the contestants throughout most of the show's run were kind of BBC celebrities. They were known people. They were not actors. They were not stooges. I don't believe there was anything underhand about what was going on there. And it was interesting to see that there are quite a few episodes up on YouTube. Anyway, I think you've got a little more to say, Colin. Oh, and another thing, Spencer, great recommendation um, on the Arcane League of Legends program. Uh, I checked it out today. Love that sweet animation. That is the whole vibe of the thing is so much in my wheelhouse. The kind of like the um, the whole urchin thing, kids on bikes kind of vibe. It puts me in mind a little bit of uh, Nikolai Dante from 2000 AD. Liza Locke Lamora, um, almost Necromunda in some ways. And, of course, things like Ravnica and Eberron and the source books for 5e. But avoiding 5e, perhaps Into the Odd. Seems like that would be an awesome system to run some of that stuff. Anyway, cheers, man. Take care and I'll catch you later. Thank you, Colin. And what can I say? Great minds think alike into the odd being thrown in there but you know you never miss the opportunity to mention necromunda and i know you do have a love of the old urchins and um yeah that's something that i think you and me share and uh, another shout out for eberron there as well uh, a setting i'm not too familiar with myself i kind of understand the uh, the sort of basics but I, I don't know anything you know, beyond the sort of magical technology stuff but I'm glad um, to have brought Arcane to your attention and um, yeah I hope uh, it comes back for another season because I could certainly spend a lot more time in that world thanks again Colin cheers great to hear from you So what have I been up to gaming-wise? Well, I managed to get in a few a few sessions of Electric Bastion Land. Always fun. Always a surprise. I never know what I'm going to get with that game. And uh, yeah, just just always have a good time with it. And I, I, I get that sense that we're only ever scratching the surface of what's possible with that game as well. You know, I totally get that it might not have the depth that some people are looking for mechanically. But, um, yeah, I just, it never disappoints me at any rate. And, um, obviously, I'm eagerly anticipating the Into the Odd remastered edition, which I'm expecting to arrive any day now. And it's probably best that I get something out before it arrives. 
otherwise this episode may go on forever as I'm sure I'm going to have plenty to say about that when I get a physical copy in my hands of the PDF I have already which uh, looks fantastic but I won't get into that here I'll save that for next time had a few more sessions of the uh, Call of Cthulhu game in, in which uh, we're trying to play up the horror and the seriousness and the drama and uh, that all seems to be going according to plan but you know that, there's fun to be had there too but I think yes we're certainly going for a more unsettling tone rather than the uh, what should we call it the 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 white dwarf sessions I guess I guess they're best described as a romp where where we are embracing the comedy there so uh, yeah so this is it's very different tone to these sessions but like I say we're still having a, a lot of fun uh, doing those thanks very much Andy Goodman Barney Dicker Loco Ludus is playing in that one uh, the maestro TJ Drennan and uh, and good friend of Jackson Elias Mr Scott Dorwood I just wanted to add that the Call of Cthulhu White Dwarf sessions are actual play it's available on Grizzly Peaks Radio and that Nikki has just recently rejoined us which is great um, she was involved in the Ghost Jackal Kill sessions uh, but unfortunately had to leave due to work commitments. Uh, Nikki also has a podcast entitled Infiltrating the Bro SR. I know there's um, an episode or two of that up. I'm not sure if she's continuing that, but I hope, I certainly hope so. Um, I've had a few sessions of League of Eternal Guardians, Barney Dicker's game, and also, in that time, another project Barney has been involved in, Trickster's Net, which uses the same system as League of Eternal Guardians. That has been released in PDF. You can find that on itch, and it's absolutely free. But I also see there are physical copies of it in the world. Very eager to learn how I can get my hands on one of those. And, uh, yeah, that's a really, really nice document. Um, yeah, and uh, that's a game that Barney's put together with uh, Tom Burmeister with some with some wonderful artwork by um, Maximilian Hartley. Uh, a really, really nice document. Um, I, I mean, there's a whole ream of people uh, involved in the development of that and will cost you nothing to... Go and check out that document. Oh, and the, the rules utilised in Trickster's Net and League of Eternal Guardians are actually the counterpoint system, and those rules are available on the Loco Ludus itch page. And I'll put links to all those things in the episode description. And how could I forget? I had my first ever session of... First edition, AD&D, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. And um, I say AD&D, I know um, 
a couple of the guys were using Osric, which is essentially the same. There were a couple of discrepancies that came up, um, but nothing that affected the session. That was being run by Goblin's Henchman, and it was a pleasure to play in a game run by Goblin's Henchman, the genius behind the Hexflower. And we were testing out his new version of Carapace, which uses the Hexflower. Now, Carapace is an adventure that involves a um, exploring a, this giant anthill, but the 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 corridors and chambers and everything are all procedurally generated. And uh, yeah, I thought that worked really well. Um, and as I say, it was a pleasure to plan a game with Goblin's Henchman. Also, I got to play with Joe Richter of Hindsightless and, you know, Echoing Joe. We don't get to play together nearly enough. And um, Edwin, um, Edwin King, who otherwise known as the, the Diplomatist, has a blog, uh, Diplomatist2 at blogspot.com, where uh, he does session reports and reviews and stuff like that. Um, and yes, during that game, I was playing a seventh level halfling called Perrin, who was uh, kind of a scruffy little unkempt, unwashed <laughs> thief, little bit cheeky, but very loyal. And um, uh, yeah, it was, it was interesting as far as far as AD and D goes as a system. Uh, well, let's just say I don't miss whiffing. I was, I think, we were involved in three combat encounters, and I think I successfully delivered a blow twice in the whole game. Um, yeah, <laughs> that was. It was fun. It was it, it, it <laughs> a little frustrating, I guess. I was successfully able to deliver a backstab to a ant queen, which um, yeah, that that was nice. And um, yeah, it was a good fun session actually. And I really liked how the um, hex flower worked. One thing about the hex flowers, it seems quite difficult to explain but it's very easy when you see it in operation it's very easy to get your head around i also um i think it was goblin henchman's first attempt at playing a session online and um yeah i think that went very well i don't know uh yeah it'd be nice to hear your thoughts about that if you're listening goblin's henchman well What's up next? Yeah, I'm, I've actually, I've not got any games scheduled for the next nine days because my wife is away. Uh, she's actually gone to Mexico, which is nice. Nice nice for her. Um, I don't talk about my uh, physical condition much here, as you know, but you, you, you may not be aware that my wife is kind of also my carer. I've got two young daughters and um, my dad has actually come up to stay over that period just to give me a hand with the kids. And um, I've got to say, it's really, really nice having him here. He's such a nice, 
wonderful guy having moved up to Scotland from down south I don't get to spend nearly enough time with him and uh, yeah it's just really nice to have him around but as I say I've put all gaming sessions on hold because I'm not sure how just you know just because I don't want to have to let anybody down at the last minute but yeah so let's get on to some other business shall we Got myself a coffee. I'm going to sit and I'm going to go through Dungeon Plumbers. Now, something I backed on Kickstarter, part of Zine Quest 3 by Wayne Robert. And it's a, um, a zine, a, a zine designed to bring kind of early 20th century technology into your fantasy world. And, um, yeah, it's by Weird Valley Press. Um, it says it's designed for old school essentials, advanced fantasy. But personally, I thought it was ripe for Electric Bastion Land, um, given that it's uh, about kind of early 20th century technology. I just uh, back the PDF because um, I wasn't sure what the, the shipping would be. This thing is, let's have a look, I think it's 60, 68 pages. Would have been nice. I mean, looking at it here, it would have been nice to actually have a physical book because um, uh, I quite like the illustrations. What's the, who's the art by? Um, artists. Well, some of it's by Wayne Robert. Billiam Babble of inkadventures.com. Oh, Jess Shields, uh, Gary Guppius, probably getting that wrong, Jacob E. Blackman, Shaman Stockart, and Dean Spencer. Quite a few different artists here, but it does have a very cohesive feel to the art from what I've seen. And the first page, which I imagine would be the inside cover, is the Dungeon Plumber's Sewer Encounters, which is a well, it's a D40 encounter table uh, with uh, five different columns going from, you've got uh, level one, two, level three and four, level five and six, level seven and eight, level nine plus. So there's a lot of uh, potential encounters there on that table. Uh, then we've got the contents, intro, fuel, setting, weird, gears, classes, magic, monsters, hazards, adventure, Character sheet and solo rules. And then we've got a couple of pages. What is Diesel Punk? Uh, this, this is a nice little explanation of um, where it starts off talking about cyberpunk, steampunk, Victorian fiction, you know, Jules Verne, H.G. Wells, uh, stuff like that. And then going on to the, the latter stuff. Moorcock and uh, and uh, whoever it is who wrote the Difference Engine. Apologies, I'm, I'm not I'm not seeing the name there. Um, uh, so yeah, speculative, advanced technology based on 1900s through 
1950s. That's the, the kind of diesel element of the diesel punk and then goes into essentially your characters are outsiders up against a authoritarian regime. So, you know, it sounds like a perfectly legitimate use of the term punk there. And then uh, it goes on through uh, different sources of inspiration, which is summarised in this sort of recommended media list, which is a fantastic list of sources, movies, video games, literature, TV series, comics, a wealth of stuff there. Then uh, fuel for your games when adding the advanced technologies of your diesel punk genre to familiar fantasy role-play games, you can include as many or as few as you desire, season to taste. However, determining some baseline assumptions about the campaign, about the campaign setting, will help you with your world-building. And then it's got, you know, uh, setting up utopia, dystopia, retro-future, post-apocalyptic, noir, magitech, then epochs, imperialism, world war, post-war, Retro future, post-apocalypse, uh, and kind of different uh, takes on civilization, nations, commerce, labor, laws, education, religion, fashion, culture. Just um, you know all the things to consider there, and technology, scientific progress, medicine, electricity, manufacturing, plastics and rubber, communications, skyscrapers, architecture, combustion engine. Land vehicles, aircraft, sea vessels, weapons, blah, blah, blah. Magic, um, rarities, benefits, drawbacks, public opinion, magical resurrection, relations to religion, relations to technology, relations to physics. And yeah, just all the, all the things that you'd want to think about when putting your campaign world together. Then we've got a D20 table of diesel punk campaign ideas. Let's have a roll on that. There's my D20. And uh, oh, what we've got there, an 18. The emergence of superheroes has forever changed society, war and the world. So, uh, yeah, definitely getting some uh, Watchmen vibes off of that one. Uh, MacGuffin's Generator. D12 by D8 table. Let's have a roll on here. I assume you do a few rolls on here. Use this chart to help you come up with ideas for focus of an adventure, whether it be an item or a goal or some other target or motive. A MacGuffin can help you get your creative juices flowing. Roll multiple times and combine or even use this chart for other purposes, such as additional plot complications, book topics, NPC, areas of expertise, phobias, and more. So there's my D12 and a D8. What's that? Four and a five. Vehicle. Ten and one. Alien. An alien vehicle. Perhaps crashed ship or something and nine and five sarcophagus well maybe it's a uh, a crashed alien ship that turns out to be some kind of sarcophagus containing 
who knows what. Then what else have we got? At power source D8 by D8 table, use this chart to help you come up with ideas for what powers a device or creature, what the world's main energy source is, etc. So I've got two D8s there, there we go, the other D8. One and eight, blubber. So, uh, yeah, immediately giving me uh, dishonored vibes with all the whale oil stuff there. And five and five, human labor, right? Instantly imagining some kind of uh, slavery operation, maybe going on right under people's very noses being used as an energy source. Uh, okay, so all that, and we're only on page six. Plot motivations, the hero slash villains seek. Use this chart to help you come up with motivations for patrons, allies of all your player characters, of villains, rivals, monsters, and more, combined with the MacGuffin generator or any other list of nouns to come up with near infinite possibilities right so what we got on there is kind of um heroes villains seek to experience revolt fight keep safe fix shed light on loads of great stuff there um plot complications it's broken a decoy revenge flee to fight another day authorities intervene act of god jealousy your ally is a spy um just lots of great stuff there um then we've got enemy idea generators d8 d12 let's have a go at that so one and three fay Eight and seven, living rock. So I'm immediately thinking of the kind of Nordic take on dwarves, them actually being of the earth. A five and six, lupine. Well, dwarf wolves, dwarf werewolves. What else have we got here? Masculine names, D10 by D6. Feminine names, D10 by D6. Neutral names or surnames. As you can see, loads of stuff here. Then we get into the next section, which is uh, Dungeon Plumbers. In this example setting, magic exists alongside technology as advanced as the 1940s in our own world. The wonders of the modern era are built upon countless ancient civilizations that came before as dense packed metropolises of skyscrapers reach for the heavens so do sewers subways ruins catacombs and dungeons reach downward into the bowels of the earth see why uh, i thought this might lend itself to electric bastion land yeah so a bit more filling uh, so kind of going into a bit more detail about that setting what do you need so uh, yeah it says you require old school essentials advanced fantasy or another similarly compatible rule set 
I don't think it'd be too difficult to convert this to whatever rule set you might be wanting to use. So it's got a list of new classes. There's nine new classes, which it goes into over the next few pages. Equipment, ability scores. Oh, and there's a new ability score called Weird, um, which is innate or mushroom-fueled connections to the wild magical fabric of reality. All Dungeon Plumber's diets consist of at least partially, consist at least partially of the strange fungi that grows throughout the vast underground world. Even those who abstain are inevitably affected by the ever-present spores and slimes infecting their system. As such, all Dungeon Plumber's have at least some weird. Characters can use weird to resist magic effects, cast spells from weird stones and even communicate with fungal creatures. Then we've got um, uh, equipment, equipment lists for uh, like different grades of equipment. Optional rule, that's like a sort of a weapons degradation thing. Uh, armor, soaking damage, blah de blah de blah. So new adventure gear, got things like binoculars, rocket packs, weird sockets, electric torch, and then there's kind of a couple of pages of images of different bits of gear. Right, okay, and then we've got a weapons list, and then ammunition, um, firearms, another page, firearms, different types of bomb. Yeah, so the new classes, what have we got here? A dredger. Dredgers are aquatic explorers of vast underground water networks. They excel at underwater combat, finding and amassing useful junk and facing the many dangers lurking in the waters of the dark below. Electro Riot Engineers, mechanics and tinkerers on the cutting edge of technology and weird science. Electro Riots are as odd as they are intelligent. Electro Riots always carry wondrous gizmos and contraptions which usually function usually function spectacularly. And different gadgets. Gut Rot Gourmand. Most adventurers crave wealth or glory, but the Gut Rot Gourmand seeks only to dine on the most unusual and often most disgusting cuisines they can find or invent. The subterranean realms hold countless possibilities for such peculiar palates. That's an interesting one. Gutter Snipe. Stealthy and snarky wheeler dealers and masters of ranged combat, gutter snipes take advantage of the fact that they are often underestimated. A juggernaut. Juggernauts are imposing and relentless brutes who rely on sheer power to hold position or batter through barriers and enemy ranks. Myco Mage. Combining arcane spellcasting 
with mind-expanding psychedelic mushrooms and an affinity for weird stones, micro-mages are unusual mages. Got a spell list for them there. Tunnel rats. Tunnel rats are the quintessential dungeon plumbers, combining uncanny skill, luck and awareness. And there's an image of something that looks very much like a rather grizzled Mario holding a smoking pistol. Undermucker. Trudging through the sludgiest, foulest reaches of the darkest subterranean realms, Undermuckers pick up diverse skills to survive such hellish places. And uh, what we got? What else we got? Verminator, master of exterminators and subterranean beast wranglers, verminators both hunt and tame the many creatures of the underworld. So that all looks fun. Then, then what do we get into next? Uh, it's more explanation of weird stones. Weird stones are rare subterranean crystallized fungi containing concentrated levels of magical radiation they react strongly with the many fungi that grow in the vast dark realms below the surface world weird stones can be used to channel unpredictable magical effects uh, there's a bit more information about those and uh, some images and uh, descriptions properties stuff like that there's a couple of pages different types of weird stone and a nice image of a giant feed me seymour venus flytrap tossing adventurers into its more uh, monsters <laughs> nice illustrations there and we've got more images sewer hazards D6 by D20 sewer hazards, uh, which look like a combination of uh, encounters and um, nasty uh, effects, foot rot, soggy gear, gross rash, infected wounds, entombed god, and ooh, a purple worm uh, clearing the sewers. What we got here? Uh, there's a map with, uh, or quite a quite a large map with about sixty four, sixty five different locations. A bit more about what's in the dungeon. I don't want to really want to get into any spoilers. Um, another another dungeon there. Then we've got the rather fun looking character sheet. Solo rules. Uh, just a page of solo rules and then a final image for the back cover weird grimy psychedelic diesel punk when the monarch archmage bandit lord or dread lich need their dungeons maintained or cleared out they hire specialists to get the job done they hire dungeon plumbers genre zine Tips and tools for adding diesel punk elements to your old school fantasy role playing games. 
craft worlds and adventures using guns, automobiles, weird science, sky skyscrapers, and moxie. Setting, mercenary plumbers take on tough subterranean jobs while toting guns, eating mushrooms, and channeling magic from strange crystals in the sample setting, dungeon plumbers. Toolbox, new weapons and gear, new optional rules, solo rules, nine new classes, tons of tables, rolls for casting spells for magic crystals and equipping them to gear and more. Monsters, over a dozen new monsters to challenge even the most grizzled adventurers. Two short adventures with maps to kickstart your dungeon plumbers game. Compatibility, designed for use with old school essentials, advanced fantasy or similar RPG rule systems. But much of the content can be adapted to other games. There we have it. I say there we have it. One of the stretch goals for that was um, some print and play tokens and kind of map tiles and stuff like that, which uh, look quite fun. And uh, yeah, there you have it. little package here I'm not sure what this is looks like it's a a book ah, there it is little red strip hiding away oh wow god I think I only ordered this two days ago thanks for your support Oz Rooks Press. This is a lovely little box. Lost Eons. Lovely little box set. Um, oh, this is really nice. Got, um, I don't know much about this game beyond listening to an interview with the creator, and it just, I don't know, it just sounded really, really interesting. And, um, this is kind of, I think it's sort of post-human setting, far-flung future. It's um, British-looking setting. There's a series of books in here. First one, Lost Eons, as a picture of like, um, looks like a kind of a floating city almost. Oh, oh ship it's it's difficult to decide what it is but it's um surrounded by a cloud above um kind of a wasteland looking environment imagine a world after capitalism in lost eons you will emerge from the darkness into the new light one dominated by inscrutable and terrible forces you must seek to understand. Using these pages, create a post-human character ready to face the mysteries and dangers of the far future. Interesting. Law is not canon. <laughs> like that. Yes, written by David Blandy and Laurie O'Connell. 
so what we got here um how to play safety players guide introduction action creation skills magic magic oracle mutations talents traits haven creator adventure items combat it's very nicely produced little book here nice interesting art uh, the second book is GM's Tools, written by Andy Prentice, David Blandley, and Laurie O'Connell. The primary illustrator, Jacob Barry. So there's a book of GM Tools there. Preparation, location. Um, another thing that drew me to this is apparently it's very low prep. And then the fens, lost eons. This looks like a nice map on the cover there. This will be the setting, the defoul. Everything is unique. Everything is communal. Everything changes. The layout is very, you know, it's nice little paragraphs and bullet points, which is just what I like. Just really, really nicely illustrated and put together. And we've got a map. A little book of these character sheets. Where there's like a, a blank character sheet. And then we've got what initially looked like sort of playbook character sheets. With this um, class written at the top. A little description of what each class is and a list of starting talents so what have we got salvager most days you just find enough to exchange for your food that night but sometimes there are some intriguing items relics from the old time every broken thing is just an opportunity to test your ingenuity and we've got the seer since youth, you have found yourself attuned to the matrix of essence, able to create a flame at the tip of your fingers or still the wind for a moment. You can faintly perceive the matrix as another layer suffusing the fabric of solid matter. This way of understanding the world has led to a distance from others. We've got the scrapper. The only way to get by has been fending for yourself, looking after those dear to you through showing others that you are not a force to be messed with. Through a mixture of guile and brute force, you've carved out a safe space for yourself. Some fear you, some respect you. We've got the outcast. You've never felt at home in your society, foraging a life on the margins, living by your wits through opportunism and petty theft, charming your way into a bed for the night or the next meal. But somehow you always knew you were destined for something more. Psych, you have always found yourself able to read people's feelings and intentions in an instinctive way. 
sometimes using this to engineer favourable situations for yourself. But this empathy also means that you've experienced the shock of sharing another's feelings, their pain and their joy. Shifter. You remember the first time it happened that you knew it was something you had to hide. You thought you must be the only one that could change their form. It started with dreams of inhabiting a strange instinctual mind, then seeing yourself as a different creature in reflection, staring at your transformed hands. That's interesting. I should point out that this is uh, all A5 booklets. Um, just a nice little package. Um, the base of the box has a nice sort of felt lining to it. And uh, there we go. That's that. Oh, I just wanted to add that the the podcast that I was talking about, that it was an interview with David Blandy, was episode 81 of Loco Ludus, the podcast by my good friend Barney Dicker. So please check that out. Um, I think I'm going to be talking a bit more about Lost Eons in the next episode, if I, if I ever get around to doing another episode. Um, I'm going to possibly uh, talk a bit more about that because David is, I believe he's just um, reached itch funding for a print version of Lone Eons, which is a solo rule set for Lost Eons. I'm, I'm very interested in getting a physical copy of that. That would fit nicely in the box that I've got. So, uh, yeah. Well, that's about enough from me, I think. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you so much for your calls. If you want to leave me a message, please contact me via the anchor link in the description. You can always email me or leave me an audio message at spencer.freeforall at gmail.com. There's a Facebook page for Keep Off the Borderlands. You can find me on Twitter and MeWe on the Audio Dungeon Discord and various other places on Discord as Free Thrall. I'd also like to thank TJ Drennan for the wonderful music he provides. And it just remains for me to say, take it away, TJ. Warning, if celebrating the sound of dice hitting the table and pondering the meaning of the many acronyms within your player's handbook doesn't cure that burning sensation, please see your doctor.